Blog Talk Radio. Because summer in Los Angeles came about three weeks ago, and now it's spring again. Well, yeah, it came actually in January when it was in the 90s, and then we had a chilly weather. But people don't want to hear us complain about weather in Los Angeles after what they put up with in the East and Midwest this year, so we'll shut up about the weather. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. But, yeah, before we get started, we're going to have a guest in a few minutes uh, we're really excited about. His name is John Fennell. He is a Luger on the Canadian uh, Olympic team who came out yesterday in an interview in the Calgary Herald. Um, it's a great kind of coming out story about how how bad Sochi was for him, uh, and he started to come out in Sochi. So he's going to be our guest in just a couple of minutes. So actually, we're talking winter now. <laughs> well, and, and what's so interesting is that we've still never had an openly gay male participate in the Winter Olympics, like be out, come out before they competed. And it's another guy who decided to do it after he competed, though I'm curious to see if he believes he'll he'll be in the next Olympics. Well, he's only 19, and that sport, it's not like swimming, you know, or gymnastics where you're pretty much over the hill at 20. Um, so he, yeah, and, and he, he could definitely have a definite future. He could be in the next two or three Olympics if uh, – he does it well, and he comes from a long sports lineage. I want to ask him about his father, who has an interesting nickname. We'll we'll have John reveal to our uh, <laughs> to our house, uh, to, to our audience. But um, yeah, that's we've had some in the summer, but in the winter we've literally had nobody who's been out. We've had we had seven was it seven this year? Seven uh, lesbians. Yeah, exactly, and 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 one of them, Irene Voost. Was the most decorated Olympian at the at the games. So that was, uh, yeah. I mean, this isn't this. And what you know, what's so weird? The Olympians that we know are LGBT, LGBTI. I guess a couple intersex in there have actually done better at the Olympics than athletes who are not out or are straight. Like like over half of Olympians who have come out have won medals. And the percentage of the rest of of Olympians who have won medals is not even close. Well, that goes along with what we've heard people say who come out that they felt liberated. Uh, John said that in an interview in the Calgary paper that after coming, you know, that that he feels liberated now. That he was he started to come out in Sochi but wasn't out out. So it'll be interesting to see how he does going forward. That he doesn't have to hide this anymore. What's weird about the statistic is not just people who've come out before they competed, even people who came out publicly after. Like, it's people who won medals. And I suppose you could, maybe it's the only people who who the media pays attention to are people who won medals. I don't know, but for whatever reason, it's kind of a stark. In the last two Olympics, the people who were out actually, yeah, about half of them won medals. And even that's even better than the straight people. Yeah, and some of them were team sports, U.S. women's soccer team, um, and others. But 
Yeah, Irene. But even still, um, it's more than more than half. I mean, even with that, yeah. if you look at the straight athletes, they don't win medals as much as the gays do. Yeah, I'm curious to see if there's any kind of correlation, um, but it is an interesting idea. And the next Winter Olympics are to be in South Korea. And then after that, nobody wants to bid on the 22 Olympics, 2022. Literally, there's only two bidding cities right now. What are they? Uh, Beijing and I think it's Altami, Kazakhstan. Stockholm dropped out. Switzerland dropped out. Norway dropped out. Krakow, Poland dropped out. I mean, it just seems like nobody wants to do the Winter Olympics because of Sochi's $51 billion Uh, price tag, but it's just kind of fascinating how you have basically two authoritarian regimes in Beijing, and and Kazakhstan is sort of this run by a guy who basically has monuments all over the place to him, kind of like a cult. And it is cold in uh, Kazakhstan in the winter, so they probably won't have to worry about it being uh, 90 degrees, but... What is it, 2022? 2022, and the bids are going to be uh, revealed this this summer, and they okay. vote on it next year. But I mean, like literally, they can't find anybody who wants to bid on them. Well, hopefully, still competing in 2022 would be John Fennell, who who now joins us. And I, my John, am I saying your last name right? Is it Fennell? Is it Fennell? Hi, uh, no, uh, it's actually pronounced Fennell. Fennell. All right. So it's not like the uh, the, er, the spice that I I put in my <laughs> pasta. No, no, Fennell. Well, John, uh, before we start, uh, welcome to the show. This is Jim, and you're with Sid. Um, reading your story, you have a uh, your whole family's kind of involved in sports. Your brothers uh, uh, on the Michigan State football team, and your dad was a Canadian Football League star. And he had an interesting nickname I had not known. Uh, can you tell our listeners what is that your dad's nickname was when he played? Uh, he was actually known as Doctor Death. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my pops. <laughs> It would be kind of cool you, you the other kid. My dad's Doctor Death. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little. Uh, I, I don't think I quite earned the same title though. <laughs> well, tell us about. I, uh, listen, how's your how's the last couple of days been? I mean, you were you came out publicly in the Calgary Herald. What was it yesterday? And and what's the reaction been like? Yeah, it's um it's been quite overwhelming. Uh, I've been getting more support than I know what to do with, really. Uh, just a lot of people reaching out to me. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, so kind of this overshadowed the fact that I was celebrating that as well. But, you know, I had uh, a close group of friends with me and my teammates and uh, everyone I trained with uh, around me. So it was uh, it was quite a powerful day. There was a lot of uh, love and support coming my way. It, was, it felt really good. And how did, how did you approach this? Did you contact someone at the paper, or how did the actual public coming out come about yeah that's um that's an interesting question i haven't really thought about that but uh you know after what i'd done in sochi i was um and after i told my friends and family i uh obviously people like to talk so there's a lot of rumors circulating so i i saw it as an opportunity to um you know there's a big social change that's happening and i uh saw it as uh, a chance to act on that and you know, just getting my message out there, and uh, everything came together really nicely. Yeah, I just talked to my uh, PR guy on my team. We have one for our uh, one for our team specifically, and he just um, set me up uh, with a Calgary Herald writer, and she wrote the article, and she'd done one on my family prior to that, just about my brother going to the Rose Bowl and my dad 
playing football and you know sports in our family and she just did a wonderful job with it so i'm really happy how it turned out well if you're listening you can call in and talk to john 347-945-7834 you said rumors were were percolating what does that mean yeah sorry um I hadn't I hadn't told anyone really leading up to Sochi with the exception of a few people I just needed on my side, uh, Mark Tukstrud being one of them. And once, you know, this kind of information gets into a, like a social group or like a group of friends, then obviously people start talking. And um, so I just kind of got sick of doing the whole spiel and uh, like telling everyone. But uh, I guess that's what kind of mean, just people um, gossiping. And you you described yourself as, as kind of feeling liberated. And do you? I mean, obviously it's hard to look ahead, but do you see yourself maybe being a better competitor because you don't have this thing weighing on the back of your head? Absolutely, that's um, that's a big part of why I did it as well. Um, because there's a huge amount of energy that goes into concealing something like this, and uh, it's just it's very freeing almost to uh have that not have to worry about that so i'll be able to put all of my focus and energy back into my training and competing uh leading up to the next four years when you were in sochi i mean leading up to it obviously there was a lot of conversation about the anti-gay laws there and um you know what was going through your head as you're preparing to go to russia where it's not necessarily illegal to be gay but it's you know, the, it's yeah. certainly the laws there and the gangs there certainly don't make it easy. Yeah, and um, that's uh, something to consider. I was pretty stressed out going into Russia. I had um, obviously been exposed to everything they were saying in Canada. Uh, I'd been there three times before uh, training for World Cups, and I hadn't really uh, felt any of the that overwhelming atmosphere of like this hatred towards gays, I guess. I didn't see that when I was in Russia. So I knew that, but when we did our COC debriefing, um, like our Canadian Olympic team debriefing in Calgary, before we had left to the Olympics, I was really stressed out because they told us um, all information uh, was subject to being seen. And that made me uh, really anxious and nervous. So I didn't even travel with my computer or my phone uh, when I had went there. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I think that's testament to how uh, nervous this issue is making me. And it's also a testament to how when you are closeted, you, as you said, you have to spend so much energy doing things that people just simply don't even think twice about, bringing your phone or your laptop someplace or yeah. trying to not use the wrong, drop the, say the wrong thing, or it must be cool. nice to not have to do that anymore. Yeah, it was, um, it's uh, very, uh, I mean, being able to use the correct pronoun now is nice and like being able to talk about personal life because that's something people don't really realize is how often we work our personal lives into, you know, our professional environment or even the weight room, just like talking about what you're going to do the weekend. And um, that's something I just hadn't done and a very like quiet part of my life that I just didn't ever talk about, but um, it's certainly opening up a new aspect. So I'll be very more (laughs) willing to talk about personal stuff now. Well, John, have, have you had have a, a quote-unquote, excuse me, said, a, a gay, any sort of gay social life prior, even though you were keeping it hidden? Or you did you have uh, gay friends or people you dated, or how how did that go? Uh, very, very, very limited. Um, I didn't want anyone to find out, so I kept it very uh, 
quiet. I didn't have any really experience with, um, like, I guess a gay social life at all. And, uh, that's, um, you know, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, um, it's like a part of like socialization. So that's uh, something I'm working on as we speak. Well, you've got tons of new gay friends now, John. You won't even know what to do with them. They'll be everywhere. Have you heard from, from, from other athletes, either winter Olympic athletes or other athletes via email or text or whatever that, you know, they, they were inspired by your story and they're thinking of coming out or what, what's been the response from other athletes? Um, I haven't had anyone say that they're coming out, but, um, I've, I, my teammates and other Canadian Olympic team members, that was the most overwhelming part is because there's so many people who are so removed from sport, but having that internal support was the most powerful thing because they're the ones that I see every day. They're the ones that make the big difference for me. And, uh, having, you know, the skiers and the bobsledders, uh, like reach out like that, that was, um, not just specifically them, but, uh, you know, other members of the Canadian Olympic team have been so, so helpful to me, like just sending messages of support. It's been great. And the flip yeah, side you of that one is... Of them, I will, I'm sorry, I will, I will butcher her name, but she was she was one of the few um, out athletes in Sochi. Um, and I, I, I won't even try to pronounce her first name because I, I know I'll butcher her. You said she helped you out and you tell people about her? Uh, Anastasia Busis. Yes. Yeah, she's a Canadian speedster, uh, speed skater and uh, long track. And she, uh, I once I told my uh, team captain, she had, uh, or he had put me in contact with her and she, you know, um, had lengthy discussions with me about everything and what it was like for her and how it affected her sport. And, you know, Anastasia is one of my closest, uh, she was one of my closest friends from Russia. And uh, I'm really, really glad that she helped me through this because I, don't think I've been able to do it without her. Well, the flip side of that is: Have you heard from any? Have you heard any negative reactions? Have you heard from anybody who, uh, you know, have you heard gotten any hate in response to the? the, the um, not at all. Which is, uh, I'm not sure if I'm just naive to it or I'm not looking for it. But uh, everyone who I immediately interact with has been nothing but supportive or anything uh, only supportive I should say just to keep that straight she's uh everyone's been um only positive which is good and but you were expecting more negative I wasn't expecting it I just mean you know it's something you work up in your head so much that everyone's gonna you know dislike this or not want to be your friend because of this or you'll have to quit your sport and uh I didn't have that I didn't have that um negative reaction at all so or not yet at least <laughs> so it's, well uh, and it will it will not happen john we could we've been covering this for 14 years and every single athlete who's come out on their own terms has had the same thing that there has with the exception of one or two maybe you know yeah we get some idiots out there but it's been everybody's been fine with it and it would it kind of ends that that fear that oh my god what are people going to think of me they're going to accept you as just John, the athlete, and the person. Yeah, it was really actually awesome today. I uh, came to the weight room, and, you know, I got a couple hugs from my teammates, but then I was just like, let's go lift some weight. <laughs> like, it doesn't even – no one even brought it up again, which was pretty uh, – That was just the fact that no one even talked about it was important to me. So what are your prospects going forward? I mean, you're only 19 years old. Do you uh, are the next Olympics in sight? The World Championships? What 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 does the next year or two look like for you? 
Yeah, so I'm uh, competing on the World Cup circuit again next year. We have world champs in Segolda, Latvia, <clears throat> and uh, we'll be traveling quite a lot extensively. I think there's nine World Cups. I'm not sure if I'll go to all of them, but, uh, you know, training the World Cup circuit, uh, the the four years, I guess three years leading up to the Olympic season are the ones where you, you know, make the big uh big jump in improvement and uh I'm just working towards uh doing well in Pyeongchang. So how'd you wind up in Luge when your <laughs> your brother and dad are been big football guys? Oh uh trust me, I played my fair share of sports. You know, I did soccer, basketball, track and field, um, football even and I was pretty pretty avid into skiing, but you know, I live in Calgary, so we have the legacy from the nineteen eighty eight games and uh, I lived very close to the Canada, or Canada Olympic Park, which is actually where I'm right now talking to you. And uh, they put on these summer programs where you get to go try a whole bunch of different sports. And uh, I tried tried luge in the summer, so just on roller uh, on on rollers. And I thought it was you know just the most fun thing ever when I was nine years old, I guess ten, maybe yeah, ten years old. And uh, I came back in the winter, and then eight years later, I you know found myself at the Olympics somehow. Well, it seemed like a rather insane sport. At least, I think your dad was quoted as saying he'd rather go up against any other offensive lineman than to hurdle himself down a track on a little sled. Yeah, yeah. It's um. There's nothing like the rush, though. It's uh quite, quite unique. That's for sure. I haven't really found it with much else, and uh, it's what keeps keeps me coming back. You, you get the same feeling you have on your first run, and that's uh, it's it, literally addicting, and it's really uh. It's really, really fun. And sometimes you forget that, but uh, sliding itself is awesome. And then, have you done the two-man? I'm sorry, Sid. Have you done the two-man luge? No, I'm, uh, I've always been singles. I'm um, like an ideal body type for singles, so I excelled quite quickly in that. Well, luge is not exactly you know a front-page sport generally in the United States. Is it? Is it high-profile in Canada? Not specifically. Um, we had quite a bit of buzz uh, surrounding our relay team leading up into Sochi, <laughs> but uh, it's winter sport. Uh, you know, it gets a lot more recognition in Europe and uh, countries like, or not countries, in places like that. So um, <clears throat> it's not exactly front page by any means, except for I found myself on the cover of the Calgary Herald when I was going to buy gas yesterday, which was a little bit of a <laughs> shock. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's. It's certainly we haven't won an Olympic medal ever in luge in Canada, and we came fourth three times in Sochi, so it was uh, pretty uh, heartbreaking there. But it's uh, gaining momentum, the program's growing, and uh, it's winter sport has a pretty strong um, it has strong roots in Canada, that's for sure. How did you do in Sochi? Uh, I came 27th, which is no one's excited on a 27th place, but it's uh, for me it was a process of making it to the Olympics, getting there, getting my first one under my belt, and actually, yeah, it was. I'll be more competitive leading into the future. Well, question on that: What was the difference in time between the 27th place and a gold medal? Two seconds, one so, second. What's going to be talking? It's actually a lot, lot bigger than that. Uh, the margins that people are winning are getting so much larger because of uh, you know different aspects of the sport. But uh, it was up to four seconds, I believe. Which funny, it still sounds like nothing when you count four seconds down, and yet <laughs> in that sport, it's kind of like you know, like the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah, four seconds is a 
huge, huge, huge amount of time. But, you know, you look at any quick race, any race with high speeds, four seconds is a a vast, vast amount of time to make up. <clears throat> well, Joe, we know you have to get back to training, so we, we, we thank you for taking the time and, and really thank you for, for stepping out and every, every athlete who comes out. It's so interesting tell pretty much the same story. Yeah, I was, had, I was so worried, so concerned, and everybody's okay with it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for uh, having me on the show today. Thanks, John. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was John Fennell. Now we know how to say his last name. And now we could root for Luge. <laughs> if only he was a curler. Well, it's interesting that uh, I, I mean, I you know I know Canadian were big winter sport. I would have thought they had would have won a luge medal at some point, but it's one of those really specialized sports. And I know a lot of it, they took hold in a lot of European countries where they don't have the kind of professional sports leagues we have. And so these what we call minor sports are often really big in a lot of these places. Yeah. And you know, so people devote themselves to the luge or the bobsled or something like that. And so it sounds. Uh, funny that his when the question you said if you cut any negative and he said no it's that i think everyone expects they're going to get a certain amount of quote-unquote hate mail and it just doesn't happen yeah it never happens i mean many athletes that we've talked to and he's only but he's only been out for about 24 hours but i mean i talked to so so many and it's just it's the same thing i haven't i haven't heard a single negative response and, and people struggle to think about well maybe this person might have they made a joke and maybe it was anti-gay but that's that's generally the extent of it well and the idea is that uh i've been going through some of our coming out stories and they're kind of blending together but how people say they now um will joke about being gay with their teammates in a fun way and we see that when we get in our flag football league where it, you can you can use the gay thing as a punchline and a joke, but it's done in a, in, a, in a spirit of support and love and 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 you know, te- and camaraderie. And we're hearing that all the time from these athletes. They feel that's when they've arrived when people are sort of mocking them in some way for something quote unquote gay that, in another sense, would be taken as offensive. But when you're out, it becomes something you just screw around with your your teammates. Well, everything takes on a different meaning when there's somebody who's gay in the room and and. and you know, whether it's a slur or a joke, it just has a different meaning. And and you know, God, I mean, it would it would suck to 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 be in the sport and not have your teammates feel like they can just joke around with you in, in the same way that they do with other teammates. You wouldn't feel part of the team, really. You'd feel left out if they were sort of treating you with kid gloves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, we had a couple of uh, other coming out stories this week uh, another canadian um brought a great uh, um story on coming out as a track captain and use what did he use hangman he used coated cupcakes he used uh, <laughs> treasure hunt all sorts of ways to get his friends to sort of decide when he could have simply <laughs> saved him the time and said i'm gay yeah you know, he's a alexander i don't I, I i don't know how to say his last name i'm not <laughs> He's a track captain and uh, at uh, Université de um, <laughs> in French is it Moncton, I guess I don't know. Anyhow, it's in New Brunswick. 
And what was yeah, it's so it's funny like these these people using these creative ways to come out. And and the one that cracked me up was was the cupcakes. I mean, he he writes I like men on these cupcakes. And actually, you can see the picture on the website. I had to look at it really carefully because his handwriting is so bad. He even said that some of the people said, I, wait, I can't read it. What does it say? <laughs> well, they came yeah. out with one friend, burst out of the closet, and turns out she's afraid of ghosts, so she was freaked out by him bursting out of the closet and didn't get the analogy. And so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but Comedy it, 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 so These people always, you know, it's, it's saying those words, and it was in the Calgary Herald story where Mark Tewksbury made John say the words, I am gay, that, you know, saying those three words for the first time for pe- for a lot of people is the scariest thing, and so they'd rather do cupcakes and other things than say what are three simple words, but a lot of people hard hard to say. And that's why you know, people have asked me, well, is it okay to ask my team, if I think my teammate's gay, is it okay to ask them? And, you know, it might be scary, and it, the, the, the athlete might be put on the spot, but some athletes are just waiting. Like a, a guy like this probably would have just loved for a teammate to say, you know, dude, are you gay? You know, it's okay if you like if you like dudes, dude, bro. And yeah. you know, so so it's such a it's like a I I never know how to answer that question by by straight people. Is it okay if I ask my team? I was just uh, uh, when I was up at Cal Poly. San Luis Obispo earlier this month, a, a couple of team, a couple of football players asked me because they think one of their, well, shit, I should. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> whoa, this is this is what doing live radio does. I forget sometimes that we're on the radio and it's not just you and me chatting. Well, let's change the subject. And Anyhow, one today that was not a good story about being gay. And it involved a um, an athlete in California. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it is funny that it is California, not far from San Francisco, about an hour, maybe a little bit more. Anthony Villarreal, who was a distance runner at William Jessup University, contacted me, I don't know, months ago, about telling his story and you know saying that he was kicked out of school. It's a Christian school, kicked out of school for being gay. He was a very good athlete there he went to some national championship races and you know he alleges that they kicked him out because he was gay and you know it's interesting if you go on to outwards you can read some of the letters he received from the universities you know disciplining him for living with his boyfriend then allegedly switching the discipline to because it was because he beat up his boyfriend which he and the boyfriend alleged didn't happen and uh and you know now, eight months before graduating, he got kicked out of school. And it's you know it's at a religious institution. Where in the student handbook it says, you know essentially you can't be gay. And he violated that, and now he got kicked out of school. It's, it's you know for all the people point at Alabama and point to ten years ago, and no, this was near San Francisco, and it was today. Yeah, it really is sort of you know snaps you back and says, you know, these things still happen. And, again, they often almost always revolve around religion in some ways. We've had other athletes who <clears throat> wrote about starting it, you know, Scott Cooper, the football player in uh, Minnesota, who first started a very religious school and, you know, was in theology class and was hearing how terrible gay people were and basically decided, I'm out of here. And 
transferred to another college where he was able to be out. But, you know, these kids grow up this way and they go to these schools. And, I mean, it's, it's a shame what Anthony's going through. And does he have any recourse? I mean, does he going, going to go to another uh, college or? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the school's allowed to do this. It, you know, it's a private institution. And... Uh-huh. And it's in the handbook, even though the handbook says it's just kind of a guide for how to live. Um, so it's tough. I mean, he has no no real legal recourse, um, you know, unless unless he can prove some other kind of damages. So I don't know. I don't know. The future is 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 tough for him. I mean, he could go to another school, but you know, this one. He, what's interesting is. I don't know why he decided to go to a Christian school in the in the first place. That that's that's the big question mark. Well, but that's my did. question every time I see this is why do they go to these schools when this kind of stuff can happen? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know as he knew that there was this specific policy or they would actually follow through. Right, exactly. You're gonna actually kick me. I'm a I'm a productive athlete, and you're gonna actually kick me out of school for living with my boyfriend. And particularly when he talks about, and and again, this is all what he alleges. The school told him that this is not why he's being kicked out. You can certainly read the letters and see that they did not like that he was gay. Uh, and and it and the and the. The progression of the letters doesn't make any sense without that being the reason, to me anyway. But you know, they claim that it's that it's not the reason. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just bizarre that that today a school would go that far. I mean, you look at Baylor; they have the same policy. They didn't kick out Brittany Griner because she's a lesbian. I don't know if they've kicked out any athletes because they're gay. Yes, I'm saying a lot of times you'll see something that's actually in some sort of guideline somewhere, but that had never been enforced. So maybe Anthony thought, you know, they're, they're not serious about this. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, but again, it's you know, it's it's this it really is you know, as as we go along here. I think religion is really the if we could just figure out how to get through to some of these religious institutions, we could really jump ahead by leaps and bounds, but so many of them still want to make gay people as the boogeyman. Yeah, and it's the way that, and the stuff they're being actually taught in the classroom, too. And that's that makes it sad, and it, it makes it doubly hard when you feel like that isolated, and especially in that kind of environment, it must be doubly isolating. Yeah, well, and, and, and particularly if you're, if you're actually Christian. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're getting hit from it by the institution and from the way you were raised and but that's what a lot of these athletes are dealing with, they're in, and they're in these on these teams that are that that embrace Christi- Christianity. I was I referee football, and and one of the one of the balls that of the of a game I did the other day um, had Bible passages written on it. So that's that's what a lot of these athletes are dealing with. <laughs> really? This, yeah, this? there were Bible there were Bible passages written right on the football they were using. Well, thou shalt not steal, so the defense can intercept it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's all the religion and Bible and coming out we have time for today. Um, next week, we plan on talking World Cup soccer, which will be starting in two weeks. And uh, for those of you big soccer fans, get going on that. And this is uh, Jim with Sid. We will talk to you next week.